0: I think uh, in the last uh, few months, I have not preached very much. And so it's good, uh, and it's good uh, to have my voice working. So thank you for all your prayers, and uh, thank you for all of your prayers over my physical body as well uh, from the fall off of the roof. So uh, it's good to be uh, adjusted, healed, restored, and today I'm not wearing my brace. Uh, but I'll put it on later. But like I've told many of you when I woke up Thursday morning after my fall, uh, with so many of you praying, some of you had been interceding for me on Wednesday, you've told me, and you didn't know why, you were just praying. Some of you, the Lord gave you even a new tongue to pray over me, and you knew you were doing warfare over me. Uh, So God was orchestrating all sorts of cool things for uh, my protection and my uh, help and restoration uh, and, uh, so it's so cool when I woke up Thursday morning, probably 80% of the pain was gone, uh, maybe more, you know, and I popped out of bed and it's been over a week and, and the healing has been amazing and God restores. Amen. So, uh, I'm uh, excited about an x-ray that will show new vertebrae and, uh, and maybe I'll be taller than I was before instead of shorter. I had a, I had an ejection. I guess, uh, I guess, if you're an airplane pilot, you're ejected out of the plane. Uh, you lose about uh, a ha- uh, three quarters of an inch of height, and so if that happens to you again, you can never fly. So uh, I was, I was ejected, uh, but my height will be restored. Yeah. Amen. Um. I was typing a couple little notes in my phone. Uh, Usually when you see me on my phone during worship, it's not because I don't enjoy worship. I'm usually directing the church service, telling someone to shape up, uh, or getting people to hold you at gunpoint at the door. Uh, Something's usually happening. Or I'm typing in, you know, notes about, you know, God's dropping nuggets uh, of goodness into my heart. Amen? Is that all right? So I'll believe the same about you if I see you doing something. If you're doing something other than what I just mentioned, you're in deep trouble. It'll be you I'll have holding uh, the gun on. (laughs) Hallelujah! Wasn't that weird about the UCC thing? That uh, you know that the Christians were targeted. Wasn't that weird? So um, Joel was actually, um, you know, Joel was actually excited. Now you got to remember this. Joel's a church historian. She's constantly reading church history books. Uh, one she's reading right now has been When the Church Was Young. If you want to read a great book, When the Church Was Young. Um, and uh, so she, of course, was mourning and sorrowful over what happened, but she said there's going to be a great revival born out of what happened in Roseburg. And like the loss of her father in Guatemala a month before she was born, uh, many came to the Lord. There's, been, there's a church there. Uh, named after him, you know, God has done amazing things, uh, so uh, no sacrifices in vain. Amen? No sacrifices in vain. So, um, I want to talk to you today about faith. Uh, that shouldn't surprise you. It's kind of my go-to message. Uh, and, um, and just believe God to touch our hearts. Amen? And there 's a purpose for this. Uh, uh, maybe the purpose is that i 've been under trial, uh, and uh, so maybe you 've been under trial as well uh, i don 't know sometimes you know what 's happening with the head is happening with the body uh, so maybe that 's a poor assumption, but um, so if this doesn't if this message is just totally not for you, and praise the Lord that you warm the foam on those chairs. Amen. But if it does fit you in some way, then glory to God. Amen. So, I was moved, uh, first of all, to talk to you about um, what, is, what a seed is. I want you to get a picture of what a seed is uh, and just imagine what a seed is. Think for a moment with us what a seed is, uh, that a seed is the smallest form of a harvest, Amen? A seed is the smallest form of potential. A seed is a smallest form of destiny, fruitfulness. It's the smallest form of a larger picture. A seed is something that looks like something bigger, but it it isn't. A seed is typically not something that you want to eat, though it could be Good roughage, um, but it's more the picture of something that is greater. Amen. So, thinking about a seed, I want to—I th- want us to think about a seed this morning. Uh, I don't know what your favorite seed is, but I want you to picture your favorite seed. How many of you eat your apple cores? This is uh, oh, okay, a few of you. Okay, so all right, just checking on that. All right. Uh, so, just thinking about you know what's your favorite seed, and just thinking about uh what what is in that i'm I' was thinking even this morning that um you know your schooling is a seed because contained in your schooling contained in education uh is a harvest of potential, and what the Lord prompted me to think about coming into today is that the enemy, ultimately, with regard to whatever you might be going through, and I, I like that phrase, going through. Let's say it together. Going through. that That's kind of a good phrase. Rather than camping there, rather than quitting there, let's go through there. But regardless of what you might be going through or whatever might be uh, assailing you, confronting you, whatever you might be dealing with, And how many of you feel like right now you are dealing with something or going through something? So uh, that's a lot of hands right now. Um, Regardless of what you're going through, I would say that on the other side of that is a picture of what you believe for. On the other side of that is the picture of harvest, uh, the picture of fruitfulness, the picture of breakthrough, the picture of... Of victory, the picture of a greater vision, right, and so, regardless of what you 're going through, uh, what we have to realize, what we have to recognize, what is important for us to know, is that the enemy is after that harvest he's trying to he 's trying to steal, kill, or destroy that harvest, right John 1010. The thief comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So let's think about how he comes to kill, steal, and destroy because, because he's not just after what you have now, but he's after that which is your future. He's after your harvest. He's after your fruitfulness. He's after your destiny, and destiny is a word that speaks of destination. He's after what God has for you. He's after what God said over you. He's after what God has promised you, right? And when we say he, we we might say that the the influence, the prince and the power of the air, the influence in the atmosphere around us, the, the influence of that which is in culture and society, the influence that is of the curse and in the curse. It's it's not just uh, a visitation or an oppression or a whispering uh, of the demonic. It is a constant pervasive influence in a fallen world is after your harvest. But to make it less nebulous and to make it more real, practical, and critical, what I want to say to you is what he's after is the thing that will produce the harvest or the breakthrough and that is the seed he's after the seed the seed is the promise if we take the seed away we have relatives that farm a thousand acres over in spokane area if we take their seed away what have we taken away We've taken away their future. We've taken away their harvest. We've taken away their destiny, their destination. We've taken away that which funds or fulfills or undergirds purpose. If we take away their seed, uh, we, we take away what they can eat. You're supposed to eat out of your harvest. That means you're supposed to eat out of your vision fulfilled. You're supposed to eat out of your dream fulfilled. You're supposed to eat out of the promise fulfilled. You're not supposed to just eat the promise. You're supposed to eat out of the promise fulfilled. So if we take away the seed, so this is where I, I, want, you to, I want you to see this. I want you to grasp this. And I want you to see this is, this is such a powerful tactic of the enemy against us is to work on the seed within you. If he can succeed on working on the seed within you and begin to get you to retreat, to back up, to pull out the seed within you, then he has circumvented your harvest. Am I making sense? So what... What, what will it take for you to give up the seed within you? What will it take? What will it take? Uh, we've seen, you know, the Bible's full of all of these stories where, where we saw, where we see difficulty come to people where we might say that the enemy was using circumstance and using people and using others essentially to confront, to rob, to destroy, to bring down the seed so that the harvest would not come to pass. Right? Uh, With Samson, uh, Samson was raised up of God as a judge and Samson had great power and great strength, right? But he had a great weakness for women. Any men in the house today? You know, what will it take? What will it take? What is what is the enemy's tactic? What is the enemy's tactic to get you? Because really, as it you know, God has already written all of your days in a book. That means he already decided, this is Psalm 139, he already decided how awesome they would be, how wonderful they would be. He already, and what he wrote about you is good already, so you don't have to beg him to create a good storyline. You need to reach into your storyline that he already wrote about you. And it's that storyline that is the basis for the seed of promise that is over you and deposited in you, and then he sealed its ultimate fulfillment When he sent Jesus to be your representative to bear and to take the penalty of the curse and sin and iniquity in his own body and to once and for all declare that you would be a blessed son of God and well able to qualify for the storyline of goodness that he already wrote about you. We do not have to talk God into something good. We need to find out what good he already wrote in the book when he foresaw you. We're spending a lot of time trying to talk God into good and trying to work to get ourselves into good when God already ordained good, guaranteed good, wrote about good, deposited good in our accounts Let that sink in for a moment. If you're in Christ, you're so woven in good. You are so wrapped up in good. If you're in Christ, you are, so, you are so in predetermined good that only you can mess it up. Only you can mess it up. Only you can mess it up. And the enemy knows that only you can mess it up. What is a trial? What is a trial? It's life. It's the curse. Uh, It is the spirit of the power of the influence of darkness in the spiritual atmosphere of which we are amalgamous to. We sense. We feel. It is the enemy working a trial to try our faith, to try us to try our resolve to hang on to the seed. To hang on to the seed. To hang on to the seed. And the seed, what is the seed? The seed is what? The Word of God. Luke eight eleven. 11. The seed is the Word of God. Say it with me. Luke 8, 11. Luke 8, 11. The seed is the Word of God. Look how simple this is. I mean, even 1 Corinthians, is it 121? The promises of God, we've been singing about them this morning, are yes and amen. How easy is that? Can you get easier than that? The promises of God are yes and amen to those who believe. What is life doing to you right now? What is the enemy doing through life right now? Or what is just, you know, um, I've been preaching and teaching and ministering for 32 years full time. So I got calluses on both of my vocal cords. Maybe that wasn't a devil. Maybe that wasn't a demon of calluses. The spirit of calluses may not have afflicted me. It's a good time to laugh right now. But in the process, in the process of affliction... That has nothing to do with the demonic. It has everything to do with the weakness of my flesh and my lifestyle and my poor vocal habits and my poor vocal training and and, uh, whatever else. In the midst of all of that, the enemy can come and visit you. How many of you know that the enemy doesn't cause everything, but he can visit everything bad? He doesn't cause everything bad, but he can visit everything bad. And our flesh is weak, and we're going to have a blowout here and there. And so uh, in the midst of a blowout, um, this is where the enemy wants to come. And where the enemy would come, he would come to steal the seed of your future. So maybe you go into a surgery and the surgery is supposed to fix everything or whatever they're going to do to your vocal cords and you're going to the top larynologist or whatever uh, in, on the West Coast and, and then you come out of it and you can't talk or you sound like a raspy old smoker. Um, how many of you know that's a good opportunity for the enemy to visit your mind? Where where does the enemy begin to steal the seed of God's word, God's promise, God's plan, God's destiny, God's call, God's goodness? Where does he begin to steal it? He begins to steal it in the amalgamous area that he has access to by ministering his testimony over your thought life. This is why the weapons of our warfare are... Not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, taking every thought captive. This is not just something we do in culture, though that's something in culture we do as well. It's not, just, it's not just seeing God take every thought captive as we demonstrate the kingdom, but it's taking every thought captive in this microcosm as we submit this microcosm to the word of the kingdom. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ... Amen? We, we want him to fulfill. We want to be builders with him. But unless the Lord builds the house, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they who labor, labor in vain, to stay up all night and to work is to, see, is to labor in vain, Psalm 127, verse 1, 2. How do we get the Lord to build our house? How do we work with the Lord to see the house build? What is the house? The house is a symbol of fulfillment, a symbol of fruit, a symbol of harvest. In this metaphor, it's a symbol of breakthrough and goodness. How does that happen? We have to stay in agreement with that seed of his word within us. We have to stay. How many of you have uh, faltered in that? Four honest people and 200 liars. So when we falter, what do we do? We repent. When we falter, we repent. We repent. Do not take... The sin of unbelief is more important than smoking Marlboros. Uh, it's more important than any other thing that we could possibly talk about. The sin of unbelief is more. It's, it's the most important sin to have adjusted out of our world. It's the most important thing that we bring with regard to repentance, a change, and a turning of our mind. It's the most important thing that we receive renewal over, that we renounce, that we deal with within us. The sin of unbelief is the most important one. It's the most important. This is the most important sin, and it is sin. Oh, my goodness, really? I thought I was just, I I didn't. Listen, listen, you have to count this as sin. The sin of unbelief, you have to count it as sin. You know, I would love, I would love um, the spigot, the coffee maker spigot. Warm water, hot water. What happens, I still get, uh, there's still stuff that kind of yuck, that's collecting around my larynx. Don't picture that. Um, (laughs) That was a harvest vision you didn't need uh, right now. But anyway, so a little washing is good. Amen. So, you know, I've been using those Hall's menthol things. You know, for years I used those so the voice therapist said "Now, whatever you do don't use anything with menthol so they were telling me how they affected the vocal folds in a very negative manner cation is good hallelujah and I'm trying to open more my therapist so oh, if I look funny when I talk Trying to open more, get the sound out more Not oh no no lid that's good. thank you, Jack. Come on, give Jack a thanks offering. Yeah. <laughs> hallelujah let's read I want to read a verse with you. Um, you know, for Esau, this is interesting, but Esau had a word over his life. Uh, by virtue of the firstborn. Uh, But he traded it for a bowl of soup. Uh, And, you know, it's just, it's valuable for us to think about what, what, what word, what concern, what worry, what care, what need. He was hungry. He was starving hungry. What worry, what concern, what need, what natural thing, is is grabbing our attention in such a powerful way that we're turning from our birthright or turning from the word over us or turning from the promise and choosing to give our attention to that instead. And do we realize that that is a sin of unbelief? Do we realize that that, is a, that, that we are essentially letting go, giving up the, something higher from God that He wrote in your book over you. We're giving up something higher in God and, and turning to something lower out of our own hunger, need or desire? Hello. Now we all, you know, we can all wax eloquent on Samson because Samson, uh, that man, had some real problems. Uh, He must have been the porn king of his day or something. I don't know, but I mean, here he was. You know, he was uh, he was excited about these women. So we can just wax eloquent about Samson and just go on about what a rascal that man was. But Esau, for Esau, just a cup of soup, a bowl of porridge. uh, 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 a nice, healthy bowl of herbal chili or something i don 't know i mean it, it's it 's pretty hard for us to to get down on that one but but is but is food keeping you from your breakthrough that 's interesting isn 't it? Are you so hungry in the natural realm or hungry for things in the natural realm? that you're not that you're not getting before God in such a way such a partnership see he needs your partnership the partnership of your full expressions of faith to breathe to, to birth to bring forth the very things that he's promised remember his promises are not guarantees his promises are potentials he deposits them in you and then he needs you to work with him in the spirit realm to give birth to those promises as you partner with him and sometimes there's a push and a press Yeah it's likened receiving the seed receiving the seed remember receiving the seed of the word of God I'm not trying to be weird in the Bible, it is likened to becoming pregnant with the Word of God. There are many examples in the Word where receiving the Word, the seed, which is imperishable, which is incorruptible, which has about it, it has within it a DNA that fully describes a future result. Right? But, but, but there, has to, it, there has to be something about us that does not let go. And we see something very odd, very interesting in the culture, don't we? That he wants healthy babies aborted. Doesn't he think, don't you think he wants your dreams and words aborted as well? What will it take? What simple thing? What hunger? Are you so hungry for recognition that you will let go of the word over you because you didn't get recognition from authority or recognition from someone that you, I mean, you're starting to give birth to this ministry or this vision or you're starting to give birth to, I mean, things are beginning to move forward. What are you hungry for? What is the enemy using? For a few weeks, um, Joel and I both talked about Joseph. And I, I'm, I'm so moved by the story of Joseph. Um, and I find myself, when I find myself struggling, I find myself repenting and remembering Joseph. I love these examples of Joseph and Joshua and David. And, and Psalm 105, Psalm 105 talks about uh, Joseph, and I want to read that to you, and, uh, and just I want us to remember the life of Joseph for a minute. If you're not familiar, uh, he's an Old Testament character that followed the life of Moses. This is very interesting because Joseph is very interesting. Joseph is the Hebrew name for Jesus. So, Jesus is the Greek name for, for uh, I'm sorry, uh, Joshua. I'm getting confused for a moment. Forgive me. Uh, and we'll get to Joshua in a minute. Joshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. Let's go back to Joseph, and I want to read to you uh, out of Psalm 105. Psalm 105. This is about Joseph. So, Joseph was one of Jacob's sons... The favored and the favorite son, the one we talked about a few weeks ago who had the coat of many colors. Uh, He's the one who, regardless of the word, regardless of the dream within him, uh, he had things go wrong. Remember that? So his brothers hear of his dream and uh, they persecute him because of his dream. They don't like his dream and uh, they think he's arrogant because he's got a dream. By the way, some, some folks won't like you if you have a dream. If you have a word, you have a promise that God's going to bless you, God's going to help you, God's going to prosper you, God's going to provide for you, God's going to give you increase, God's going to give you a harvest, God's giving you a ministry. God, whatever it is that your children are going to make it, whatever it is that God has placed in your heart through the Logos, the written word of the Rhema, his word over you, some folks aren't going to like it. And so his brothers grab him, throw him in a pit, and they're going to kill him. They decide not to kill him. They decide to make a little money off him, so they sell him to the Midianites. And he's made a slave of the Midianites. And we talked about this, but I think it's still worth noting again today, is that this was the enemy. This was a trial. This was a trial. A trial is an adverse circumstance. An adverse circumstance, something that is trying your faith, something that is being used or visited by the testimony of the demonic to steal the seed of the promise or the word over you that is unfulfilled yet, that's still in seed form, that has given you some kind of a vision, and the enemy wants to steal that while it's still in seed form Because that's the easiest and the greatest time to steal it. So he's sold to the Midianites, and uh, he doesn't let the word get stolen. He ends up in Potiphar's house, and you know the story. He rises to the top, right? Um, I just think that we ought to have a perspective because we're so we're so wrapped and woven and one with Jesus that everything in life, regardless of how it came and regardless of if you even understand it, you don't need to unravel every aspect of it. Was this of the devil? Was this, you know, are you hearing what I'm saying? What's the name of the demon? Every setback in life, you decide, because you're one with Jesus, you decide, will it be a promotion or will it be destruction and a setback? What will it be? This trial, adverse circumstance, contradiction to the promise. This trial is an open door for the seed of God's promise within you to be tested. Will you hang on to it? What you're going through right now, can it steal your thought life? Can it steal your faith? Can it steal your joy? Can it steal your hope? Can it steal your resolve? Can it steal your perspective? Can it Can it wear you down? Can it make you bitter? Can it make you angry? Can it make you frustrated? Can it discourage you? Because if it can, you'll need to repent pretty soon, because if it can, it means that the enemy, whether he sent it or he caused it, Is now through his testimony over it, stealing your seed. And if he can steal your seed, he can steal your harvest. So I think Joseph had to decide. You and I have to decide every single day with every single setback is this curtains for me? Am I foiled again? Or is this a promotion? You have to decide. Is this a promotion? Is God good? Is he faithful to his word? Will he build this house? He's only going to build the house, that is, bring forth the fullness of those who believe, of those who believe, of those who believe. Cast not away your confidence, for it has a great recompense of reward. That's out of the Hebrews. Don't throw away your confidence in his word. Don't throw away your confidence in his word. It has a great recompense of reward. This is the most important key to your battle in life, to your battle against the enemy. Amen? Psalm 105 about Joseph. they afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons. I don't know what your picture of. Uh, I don't know what your picture of his jail time was. Remember Potiphar's wife uh, tried to grab him for some kind of sexual relationship. Uh, and uh, Joseph didn't fall for that. Uh, and so he runs out of the house. So she falsely accuses him. He ends up in jail. Well, here the word tells us that that jail time wasn't all just lovely. Watching TV, getting his education, eating the latest uh, beef off of the ranch. Um, Psalm 105, they afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. He was tested. He was tested. Now, here's the crazy thing. God has so much confidence in you that I believe he says, bring it on. I really believe there is a parallel to a Job world. Though we don't live in the same times that Job lived in, there is a parallel to a Job world. In that God has so much confidence in your, in your oneness, your unity with Christ, your unity with victory, your unity with the overcoming one, uh, that he would even say, this one can handle it. This one can handle it. So I would say, let's not disappoint, Father, let's handle it. Let's not disappoint, Father. Let's handle it. Amen? And if we falter, repent. If we falter, repent. If we falter, repent. I've been moved lately just to rest more and more in Jesus. Uh, The Lord's been talking to me about... Uh, how Jesus uh, is my victor, how that Jesus is my overcomer, that just the confession that Jesus is my overcomer is so powerful. Just the confession that Jesus is my supply and my help and my victory, just the confession that Jesus is my warrior. And the Lord's been talking to me about how Jesus was named the son of David, Matthew 1.1, 2 Samuel, chapter 7. He's named the son of David. Jesus is, So then we see this picture of Jesus in David, this mighty warrior. This mighty warrior who pursues, overcomes, and recovers all. This mighty warrior who, when we continue to believe, when we continue to believe, when we continue to believe, Jesus on our behalf, like David, will pursue, overtake, and recover all. He's been reminding me of of Joshua, and that's why I had Joshua on the brain, is because Joshua is the one of faith. Joshua is the successor to Moses. Moses couldn't go in, and we don't understand all of that. Moses couldn't go in because he represented the law, and the law can't take you in the promise. That's why he couldn't go in. Joshua took them in because Joshua was the picture of Jesus. And so Joshua took them in. Joshua was the captain of salvation. Jesus takes you into your promise. So all of our reliance, all of our agreement, all of our submission, all of our confession is that Jesus is doing this. This is how we co-labor with God in a Psalm 127 manner, unless the Lord builds the house, unless he builds your house. Unless he builds your house, unless your reliance is fully on him, you labor in vain who build it. So how do we get into that agreement? We stay in a place of faith. We stay in a place of faith. We don't let circumstances and circumstances have a lying witness to steal the seed of the promise within you. A lying witness will always appear in any negative circumstance to steal the seed of God's promise within you. So we refuse that. We don't listen to it. We don't entertain it. We don't meditate it. We don't give it one, one moment of attention. We will not give it our attention. What a privilege we have to have victory come forth. What a privilege we have to have victory come forth. Bad things happen to Joseph, and God turns it into good. What? Now he's, locked. now he's locked in jail, and God turns it into good. Oh, he's that much closer to leadership, authority, the palace, the king. What if God is using your circumstances that are negative to move you closer to your victory. There's only one way he'll do that. That is if you continue to believe. If you repent of unbelief and continue to believe, then God can use every negative thing. And I love this about God, that he doesn't need good to bring forth good. He can bring good out of bad. Come on. Think about that for a moment. I want the worship team to come back on the platform. Think about that for a moment. This is Romans 8:28. God God works all things to the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God works all things to the good. So this is interesting you are in charge of your future a lot more than you think you are You have you have an interactive relationship with your destiny your harvest your fruitfulness your breakthroughs much more than you think you do because because it's your agreement in his victory or your disagreement that really sets your future in place. Joseph believed, Joseph believed that the things that appeared to be a setback were actually a set up. Setback, set up. Set back, set up. Set back, set up. If the things that appear to be a set back are really a set up, then it means you have to be tuned into the Holy Spirit. I think Joseph began to pray. I think when they locked him down with fetters and they put irons on his legs, he began to pray. And he's he's praying and he's like, what in the world? And all at once, I think in the middle of prayer, it hit him. I'm in the palace. Oh, my word. And God gives me words. And God leads me. And God gives me prophetic insight and understanding. Wow. Maybe he'll do something with all of that. Maybe somehow if I serve someone else, if I listen to him, if I pay attention. Hey, you know that word I gave you? When you get out of here, remember me, would you? Do you think the faith for him to say that came from anywhere but God? See, regardless, and we sang it today, doesn't matter how I feel. Believe this. Now, now, please, 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 please. Shootings at colleges. Russia in Syria. ISIS invading the world. Please, 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 please. Do not start thinking that the end is here and it's over the one world government of Jesus is just warming up he is going to embarrass the enemies of God and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea this is no time for you to worry for you to fear for you to wring your hands in despair for you to beg and pray for the rapture this is no time for that. This is, this is the time for you to say, Holy Spirit, I want to be your arrow of purpose sent right into the places where you need me. God, use me in prayer. Use me in everyday evangelism. Use me in ministry. Because around the globe, opportunities for the King of Kings are going to be opening up like crazy. We're coming into the best, the brightest days that have ever been on the face of the earth. These are the greatest days that have been on the face of the earth. And these are not the days to get off of the earth. These are the days where we pray with a fervency, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to be here to experience this stuff. But I also want day to day to stand with me so close. Day to day, day to day, day to day. I want the enemy defeated. I want the enemy defeated. I want my purpose fulfilled. I want my harvest manifested. I don't want anything circumvented. I want the prayer team to come forward, to pray quickly. And just all across the auditorium, if you would, heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment. If your faith has been under siege, if a word within you has been under siege... If the enemy's been testifying against you, if there's been a visitation of depression, discouragement, or doubt, if like me, you felt like you, it would even be appropriate to just repent for even listening to a negative testimony in your heart, your mind, your imagination, then I want you to quickly come forward, quickly come forward, quickly come forward you're here today and you're wanting to trust in God, you're wanting to give your life to God, you're wanting to follow God, you're you're wanting to serve the Lord, then I want you to come forward. If you're here today wanting to recommit your life to him, you've been backslidden or you've been away from him or you've not been walking with him like you should or like you ought, you're unsure of your position with him, I want you to come forward. feel like there's been a trial in your life a trial in your life adverse circumstances contrary to God's word over you I want you to come come as we worship and as we close this morning be strengthened be strengthened in his word be strengthened in his word regardless of feelings don't let it be a feeling you dwell in predetermined victory this is why james says consider it joy when you're going through trial it's just so god can show off your muscle but if in the midst of it you lack wisdom just come and ask Just come and ask, and he who gives wisdom and doesn't shame anybody who needs wisdom in the middle of a trial, he will supply you with wisdom. He will supply you with clarity. He will supply you with insight and understanding. Lord, we bless your people. We declare a benediction of grace, of unity with the Christ unity with the victorious one. We declare that kind of unity, that kind of blessing, that kind of of strength in your people, that kind of resolve, that kind of hope-filled resolve that we hang on to the word. And if we even let go for a moment, that we quickly run back that we quickly run back, that we do not let the enemy keep, have, steal our seed. Recognizing this is what he comes to steal. He comes to steal, to kill and destroy the seed of your word over us.